world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It is time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Tommy Doodlin here. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Wow, Spencer saved me. Spencer, save me. I don't know what happened. I lost, I lost a lot of... Uh, I cleaned up my file. I, I don't know what you guys do in your email file. I never, almost never, ever send an email to trash. I just kind of read it, and, and it just stays in there. And I usually go to... I don't know if you guys have it. It says search mail. And so when I would go to my search mail, like I, I would be prepping today's show, I would go to search mail, and it would show me what we talked about yesterday. And all the archives were all down through there and everything. Well, you know, last yesterday I cleaned up my inbox, my outbox, my outbox, my downbox, every box, and somehow I lost all my all my data. So I was kind of panicked. Came in this morning, says, "Hey Spencer, you still have it, this stuff?" Yeah, I got it. I got it. so thank God, I'm back in the saddle again, feeling a little bit better here. Um, crazy day, man. Crazy, 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 crazy. It's cold here in Ohio. I don't know where you guys are. We're hitting that nothing degrees. When you get down around nothing, it, it's cold. Um, thanks. Uh, yesterday's show was kind of kind of off the kind of off the whatever. wasn't anything we'd planned about because all it was the anniversary special. And I appreciate you guys bearing with me and giving us a great uh, great show yesterday. Do do appreciate it. But uh, I want to I want to dive into some stuff today. Before I get into it. Uh, I want to start to schedule the calendar. Anybody have anything out there? Craig, anything you want to add about what's going on this weekend? Chad, anybody? Schedule? Uh, anybody? Neil? Jump in here because I don't want to. Susie? Yeah. Susie, Bal- Susie Baldwin's still putting together the uh, the list of the, the team list. If you want to be part of that, let her, excuse me, let her know. Go, go ahead. Was that Neil coming? Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say we're uh, we're going to start planning a huddle for this summer again for the folks up in Wisconsin. So uh, we'll keep you posted on all the all the uh, progress all right, that we man. make on that. And let's expand them. Let's get some more going, uh, let, folks. We have to we have to live. We have to prepare to be dead tomorrow, but we have to live like we're going to be here a thousand years. It's, it's just the reality of it. And you know. Um, I was talking, I had a conversation the other day with somebody. I said, listen, who knows, who knows two months from now? Does anybody know? Anybody know what the, what the government's going to try to do to us two months from now? Well, we can't worry about it. We've got to prepare like we're going to die tomorrow and live like we're going to be here forever. That's, that's, that's the only way this whole thing makes any sense. So don't get discouraged. I guess a scripture I'm going to read today. Don't get discouraged. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus said, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it's not true, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you're going to be also. So that's the hope in the future. And if we if we don't have hope in this world, we're of all men most miserable. So that's what the Apostle Paul told us. I have a lot of hope in this world. Every day I get up, I think well, today's the day we score the winning touchdown. Today's the day it all gets exposed. And if we look around, it's happening everywhere we look, folks. The exposés are happening everywhere we look. Now, what do we see? Now you can't do mono whatever antibodies, right? Down in Florida, they found out that monoclonal antibodies, I don't even know what that means. Paul, I'm going to let you tell us here in a second. What a monoclonal, anyway, antibodies, a treatment that's been saving people from this dreaded whatever this thing is. Now the CDC says can't use those anymore. Not a lot. Paul, what the hell's going on with that? What are, first of all, what are monoclonal antibodies? And why would anybody ban the treatment with with that? Any idea? 
<laughs> I have a little idea. They're very expensive, number one, and it's not the treatment for the root cause of the problem, but they are effective. And basically, um, we take a, um, a white cell that produces a certain antibody and we clone it and it produces that antibody for a specific receptor. Let, we'll call it uh, the receptor for the spike protein. And what it does is it blocks that, uh, uh, blocks the reaction from the ACE inhibitor. So, and it's, it, you know what, I, it's not the first line of treatment for it. They're very expensive. I don't necessarily trust them anyway. Um, there may be a good reason why they're blocking them because they are more effective and much cheaper uh, ways to treat things. Okay, so so here's what we kind of ran into yesterday, Paul. Not not with you, but with others. You guys know how we selectively selectively trust the government. Have you noticed this? Well, we trust the government on this, and we trust the government on this. But oh, we don't trust the government on this. We would never. It, it's it's almost a form of mental illness, isn't it, friends? If Doctor Paul Goslin tells me a lie on one thing. I don't believe the lie. He tells me. I don't believe. I'm sorry. I'm going to trust, but verify. I'm going to find out from somebody else. But yet, yet those of us, for some reason, we have this mindset, well, the government's good here. Like they're really, they're really good with our money. They're, you can really trust them there. And inflation, they're really good with inflation. Oh, they're really good with medicine. They're really good, but they're not very good with that. We're crazy, aren't we? Yes, because we, don't, we have we haven't figured out, folks. We haven't figured out that it's a spiritual thing, the battle spiritual going on around us. There is a real devil. There really is a kingdom of kingdom of light. There is a real kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of darkness is far more aggressive than the kingdom of light. And because the kingdom of darkness is far more aggressive than the kingdom of light, they advance the ball farther down the field than what the kingdom of light has. Because the kingdom of light has been playing sporadic prevent defense convinced that we're going to be out of here soon and it doesn't matter if we can just hold them at the two yard line and we escape we win the game because they won't have scored that's that's the attitude that we've had rather than push them back push them back way back push them back what happened to that fight in the church so that's the kind of stuff that we're dealing with there's no consequence for lying right there's no consequence for stealing if it's government approved lying it's okay it's government-approved thievery, it's okay. If it's government-approved medicine, it's okay. If it's government-approved legal system, it's okay. See the trap we've fallen into? And we're in the kingdom of God, right? And so we don't operate very well in this kingdom of government, in this kingdom of darkness, which is occupied by the enemy. Oh, God. Has your, has your pastor ever stood in the pulpit and explained that to you, the hierarchy of evil? And how it's how it's taken over. That'd be a good sermon. Myra, come on in. Then Jeff. Good morning, Saints. Thank you, Dr. Gosselin, for the excellent medical information. I just want to let you know that uh in Washington, DC, the city employees are mandated uh to do the shot, uh, but they have to give a uh, form for religious exemption. And I have something to say in that regard. Jeremiah 29. 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Hallelujah. We're, uh, Amen. So, Myra, listen, folks, folks, listen to this. Oh, I hate to say Amen. It. Death isn't always a tragedy. Real quickly, real quickly, Spencer, I don't know how, how, why we can't get this mindset either. Uh, uh, well, uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 7, and I've, I've used this many times, but it, it confounds me. It confounds me. A good name is better than precious ornament, and the day of death better than the day of one's birth. Folks, that isn't real to us, see? Now, death is horrible because why? The loved ones that you leave. But when we say if someone is in Christ and they die, I'm telling you, that really ought to be a literal rejoicing. Say, Dad, gone. He crossed over. <laughs> yeah, he crossed over. Good, good for him. He graduated, right? It's not the mentality because there's a part of us that still clings to the things of this world. 
And I was thinking last night, I, I think it every night when I, when I, when I, uh, when we turn the lights out and go to sleep, how much I, I love my wife. I tell her, I says, you know, the day's coming when one of us isn't going to be here. One of us is going to be sleeping in an empty bed. And I'm going to be sad if it's me, but I'm going to be happy for you because, man, you graduated. But we don't look at it like that, do we? And friends, let me tell you something else. Not everybody goes to a good place. Nobody, everybody does. For some, so for some people, it is a horrible tragedy because judgment awaits them. I don't want to get bogged down on that. So uh, praise the Lord, whatever's ahead of us, my days are numbered. He numbers my day. The power of life and death is, he holds it all. I'm in his hand. He said he'd never leave me, he'd never forsake me. Why are you afraid of fear? Why are we afraid? Why are we afraid of death? Why? Why? He said it's better than being born. He could be lying to us, couldn't he? Jeff, come on in. Then Kimberly. Coach, I got to share that the other day with a 19-year-old kid just becoming a Christian lately, and his grandmother died. When I shared that with him on Scripture, he put a smile on his face. He said, you know what? You're right. But what I've come in to say was this Saturday at 2 o'clock, we're going to open up the church building. We'll have Pastor Neil Peterson coming in to speak to the public. So we're putting out a bunch of information to get people to come down and see him. 10 o'clock, they're going to have a pastor's brunch or something. We'll see how many pastors come. And at 2, we'll open it up to everybody. So 2 o'clock Saturday, Pastor Neil Peterson. Okay, cool. Uh, you know what we need to do? We we need You and me need to get together and make a plan. Let's work together on it. Let's just don't have you guys do it. Involve us earlier. Let us Now, you tried to do it with the, the March in Mount Vernon. You did. Now, it's already out of town. But let's clear a date on the calendar. Let's put it on the calendar. Let's call people and come together. Let's not be so, um, I feel sometimes like we're two pistons, not, not hitting at the same rhythm here. So what, what time does that begin, Jeff? And where, 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 where are they going? Two o'clock, New Beginnings Ministry in Warsaw, Ohio, at our church building. Matter of fact, Pastor Bill just put this together a couple weeks ago. Nancy did it. And they're just throwing it together to try and get something started in January early. So, But there's going to be more of them, so we'll, we'll plan it better. We can help you get that going, man. We can help you get that going. Kimberly, come on in then, Reggie. Good morning. Um, you may want to check out what Dr. Kerry Madej says about um, the monoclonal antibodies. Supposedly, yeah. they're aborted fetal tissue in them and they oh, no, there's no doubt about it. i'm with you on that listen the, i'm not I'm, yeah. I, I don't want you to, pardon me i'm not demeaning no that's okay this. i don't want anybody to think that i was promoting them okay i wasn't promoting them because there are aborted fetuses in it. the yeah. point i am making is here again is another effective treatment against covid it appears to be effective and the cdc says you can't use it that right. that was the point i'm making go ahead kim i'm sorry no that's okay and the, and they do clone um mouse tissue with fetal tissue and you don't want they've used it in breast cancer before and it seems to do a great job and then all of a sudden the cancer comes back with a vengeance later on so yeah yeah. it's not something we want to do anyways gotcha gotcha, kimberly i'm for ivermectin hydroxychloroquine zinc i could give you that that's what i that's what i think okay thank good word kimberly Uh, reggie come in then dr paul again and i got something for you hey coach i wanted to bring it back around and build up your whole upon looking at death those who fear the Lord, um, in Sirach, the wisdom of Sirach one, mm-hmm. I've been reading it. So it says here, the fear of the Lord is glory and boasting and gladness and a crown of rejoicing. The fear of the Lord will cheer the heart and will give gladness, joy, and long life for those who fear the Lord. It shall be well to the utmost. And on the day of his death, he will be blessed. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it, isn't it awesome, Reggie? Awesome. Thank you. Where was that, Reggie? Reggie? You got muted all of a sudden, sweetie. I can't hear you. The Wisdom of Sirach. The Wisdom of Sirach. Where it's is one that of those books. <laughs> uh-huh. so, by, by the way, I got a couple comments. Uh, uh, I appreciate your comments and email, folks. I want you to know something. I, don't, I, ne- I never get offended. I don't take it the wrong way. So I can dish it. I can take it in as well as I can dish it out, okay? Uh, Reggie turned me on to getting the book of what's the book I just ordered, Reggie? Um, it, come it's, on. The, it's the ancient Bible of the Ethiopian. the Ethiopian Bible, the Ethiopian Bible, folks. I want to read it. I mean, I'm going to follow it, believe it. Aren't you guys curious? 
Aren't you curious at all about, about what surrounds our faith, what created our faith, the environment in which these guys... That, 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 that doesn't, folks, if you don't understand that, if we don't understand the environment in which the Bible was written and the history behind the, we know about Paul, don't we? We know, we know somewhat of his history. We do. But do we know all of it? Do we know any of the history of the three wise men that came to visit Jesus? Do we know anything about Enoch, even though he's mentioned? What? We're not, we're, you have no curiosity. You have no curiosity to want to read the book of giants. You don't have any, you, have, don't, you don't want to read Enoch and just see what it says and compare it to what the Bible says? And you say, well, coach, I'm afraid I'm going to get confused. No, the Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. Come on. Come on. Expand your horizons. I want to know that when I got the truth, I got the truth. Boom. And I think if we all had that idea, we all had that mind. Dudes, you sit there every Sunday and listen to some six-foot icicle tell you. You don't question him. You don't question him when he pulls out Norman Vincent Peale and reads a reads a poem from him. Easy peasy. They'd rather I'll read that one seller of the Christians, Your Best Life Now by Joel Olstein. That's a bet. Number one bestseller. No, the number one bestseller was the Purpose Driven Life. Do you guys know that? Yeah. Largest selling non Bible book in history, the Purpose Driven Life. Look at the mess we have, huh? And you're upset that I want to read the Ethiopian Bible, really? <laughs> I mean, you're not upset. Please, I nobody was upset. I got cautions, warnings. Okay, be careful. That's not the word of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, but some of you will read the Pearl of Great Price, won't you? You'll read that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Coach, stop, stop meddling. Come on in there. Uh, see, Paul's up in Larry. Good, Doc. Did you mean that your hand's still up? That's all I'm saying. You didn't? Is this talking for me, Paul, or the other Paul? Yes, yes. Okay, I'm so sorry. So, um, because you've asked what's going on, um, I have a continuance on my case till April 14th. Um, I guess the point of all this is that, uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways as because, of course, nobody wants to give information to my attorneys. And as time goes on, I'm interacting with other groups, for instance, a Second Amendment group because of what we don't know for the future. And uh, I assure you they're God fearing folk or I wouldn't be with them. Um, but in all this, as you talk about not fearing death, when I remember that, I don't fear death because my heart is right every day. I'm ready for it. Amen. And as this continuance, I get a letter from a whistleblower inside the boards of medicine who is given me information about them and it turns out my goals change as I as time goes on and I think the goal is to um, take down the current medical system using my lawyers and um, I think that's extremely important and hey, you're messing with the big boys there though, aren't you Paul you're messing with the big boys there yeah, absolutely, and God forbid yep. they mess with God. <laughs> That's the attitude, baby. It's all about the truth, isn't it? It's all about yeah. the truth. Stand firm, Paul. Larry, come on in. Yeah, along your lines about reading the Ethiopian uh, Bible and stuff, you know, some people, I don't know what word to use, but our Bible, the King James Version that most of us in this queue kind of, kind of use for the most part, uh, it's just one of dozens of translations of a collection of older books and letters and things that were just put in and collected together and called the Bible. Some have been taken out since then. And so, I mean, it, it, it's been a mishmash, and it takes the Holy Spirit in our lives to confirm the truth of those words on those, on those pages. So Larry, without, good... without the Holy Spirit, the world's best Bible, if there was such a thing, you may as well hang it in an outhouse and use it for toilet paper. Because, Larry, listen, the Bible is not 
a it is a historical book, but it's not a complete historical book. Folks, do you understand that? Come on, tell me you get that. That the the Bible is basically a story of God moving through history. It's a it shows you how God moves through. It doesn't show you what's going outside of God's move through history and the consequences of it and the other things that are going on. It's a book of how he got there and how he got through and how it's applicable. Hey, listen, I understand that's a 10-cent definition, but that's really it. There, are, there was history going on outside of the Bible. And so when I go to some of these other things, by the way, who determined canon? Who determined the 66 books? Now, wait, I'm not, I'm not doing anything to try to question the Bible. Relax. But somebody got together and decided which books were going to be in it, which ones weren't. We do know that, don't we? You do know that, don't you? And we trust that it was the Holy Spirit that wrote that. We all trust that and believe that. But is there, was there a possibility that maybe they considered some other books that didn't make the cut? And are we afraid to look at some of those other books that didn't make the cut because they maybe were historical references to what's going on, gave us a better understanding of some, uh, come on, tell me you know what I'm talking about here, right? But we are so told that we're not supposed to go there. That's why people think Christians are stupid. Blind followers, they call us, right? The more research I do, the more I follow the stronger my commitment is, the more I know. Oh, man. Because so the Bible, they can control you, friends, if all you do is sit in front of the TV and watch CNN. Did you know there's another version of the history going on? And it's called MSNBC. It's very similar to CNN, but it's just a different version, and they call it MSNBC. And by the way, did you know there's a new standard called Fox News? And it's just another version of what's going on. And did you know that there's even another one that come out with called, what's that called? National Public Radio. There's another version. You see what I'm trying to say to you, right? Whether we understand it or not, I believe in the 66 books of the Bible. God bless it. I follow it. I believe it. But there were other books outside that might give us a little bit of an understanding of the times in which those people lived and the influences around them and some other things that were going on that we just have not been taught. Somebody give me a thumbs up so I know I've got at least one friend, at least one person who agrees with me and understands what's going on here, right? Huh? There's, no, there's nothing dumber than to I'm say sorry. the Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it without on your own being able to justify why you believe what you believe. Now, I've, I've said this many a times, the, the people who argue with us the most are the ones who are on the verge. They're having a great inward conflict, great inward conflict. And so they're trying to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling by attacking everything we say. They don't believe it. They're doing extra research, and they have got some questions about, about some of this stuff, right? So we have to understand that's how the Lord works. Other sources, confirmations out of two or three witnesses. God has ordained things, right? I know I'm talking to the right crowd. I know, right? But it's some of these other books that have strengthened my faith. They haven't harmed it. Bernie, come on in. Then Joe, then Teresa. Yeah, we were talking earlier about tragedy. I'm saying not death that's a tragedy. It's unfaithfulness. You know, we're we're told not to fear those who can take kill the body, but him who after you've been killed has the power to throw you into hell. We have to get his fear in the right place. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's dying without knowing Christ that we ought to fear. If you don't know Jesus, uh, it ain't gonna be good. <laughs> That's why yeah, I see. Yeah, it. yeah, but but unfaithfulness is is what the tragedy is. I saw this quote from Chesterton. He said, "A soldier trapped behind enemy lines to escape must have a strong desire to live, mixed with a carelessness about dying." I thought that was interesting. Mm. Amen, brother. Amen. I put put a link in the chat earlier about uh, a sermon from Thomas Watson about taking heaven by violence. I think, man, why don't we hear sermons like that anymore? Yeah, yeah, amen. What was that old song? I don't know who did it. Uh, 
it's uh, what um, I'm not afraid of dying. It's just the thought of being dead. Right? <laughs> it's the truth of that, isn't no, it? Not? No, it's 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 facing God. All right, without being without making having peace with Him, you don't have peace yeah. with God. Then you got to be afraid of dying. Yeah, you got to be. That's right. That's right. Huh? If you don't believe in God, you better believe there isn't one. You better hope there isn't one. If you don't believe in God, you better hope there isn't one. Joe, come on no, in. Then Teresa, it's not, it's not in right standing with God. Okay, that's I'll right. let you go. Thanks. Okay, Joe. So, uh, like, there's different different kind of uh, Bibles versions. Uh-huh. Is there a different kind of Ethiopian versions, and what? What one did you get, and can you put it in a queue? Uh, yeah, they're hard to get. Uh, Reggie, maybe you can dig that up for me. I, Reggie's the one who showed me. So, Reggie, so I don't have to get on my computer right now. See if you can find that and put that in the chat for people. The Ethiop- you can just Google the Ethiopian Bible, and I think it has, uh, I think it has what, 81 books in it. I think 81 books, different books that are not in the Bible. But the Ethiopian Bible was kind of a standard for a while. Now, is it is it to pure... Conicles, I, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But again, I'm curious. I'm not going to follow these books, but they, these books in the Bible, but they're enlightening. I think you say, well, Coach, it could be falsehood. I know. That's why I want to read them. Well, <laughs> it could be if, falsehood. Reg, if Reggie found it, it's it's probably a good one. Well, it's not just Reggie. They're very, very rare. They're hard to get. So. Uh, Again, same thing, right? Do you guys have the Book of Mormon? You ever read the Book of Mormon? I read a little bit of the Book of Mormon. Why? Helps me understand where the Mormons are coming from, right? I, it didn't, hey, folks, you do know this, don't you? That your Methodist church doesn't always agree with your Baptist church. And your Baptist church doesn't always agree with your Presbyterian church. You understand that, don't you? So this, this uh, mystery is everywhere. By the way, uh, somebody said earlier, God works in mysterious ways. I don't think he does. It's mysterious to us. <laughs> they aren't mysterious ways to him. Huh? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And there's a way that seems right to us, but the end results, death and destructions. His ways aren't mysterious. His ways are very organized. He's a great chess player. He sees the move we're making, and he positions the person at the end of the track that we're supposed to meet up with. And when we meet up with them, they say, boy, that was a miracle. No, that wasn't. That was a mystery. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in your way. He, he, he figures out how you're going to. He figures out 20 years ago how I was going to meet Paul Goslin. That wasn't mysterious. That wasn't a miracle. It was two steps being ordered, right? I don't just mean Paul God. How about Myra? How did I meet Myra? Well, two steps were ordered. We don't know how, but some, all of a sudden, boom. I got several stories I could tell you about the miraculous sovereignty of God of bringing people together. You want to hear one of them? Yeah, I think I've told you before. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you one. It's not mysterious, folks. My steps have been ordered, been ordered by the Lord. I was, uh, just after I lost my job, uh, not lost my job, laid down my job in London. I uh, um, I kind of floundered for a couple, three years as we were getting past assault ministries gone. And I had a real, comf- a real spiritual, I got a real spiritual awakening from Promise Keepers. Bill McCartney, the head football coach at University of Colorado, who started Promise Keepers, by the way. Uh, I went to the first ever Promise Keepers out in Boulder, Colorado in, in 1990. I think it was 1990. And I met Bill McCartney when I was out there. And he wrote in my Bible. I still have it right here in my Bible. He wrote in, uh, we had a, I had a little back and forth with him. Not a lot of time, five minutes maybe. And when he, all, not in my Bible, his book, uh, Ashes to Glory. He wrote in his book uh, to Coach Dave, Psalm, uh, uh, Exodus 14.14, 14, uh, Coach Bill McCartney. And I looked at Exodus 14, 14. I didn't know what it was. Anybody out there know what it is? Anybody? Spencer's going to show us. Exodus 14, 14. God doesn't work in mysterious ways. They're mysterious to us, but they're not, they're not mysterious. So he wrote in my book, Bible, this is 1990. This is before I, I just got to London. And he wrote in my book, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. He wrote that in my Bible in 1990 in Boulder, Colorado. I thought, wow, that's odd. 
And to me, as I look back over my shoulder, it was a precursor of what I was getting ready to go through, right? I, it was going to be 10 years later. It was going to be 1997 before I got in my fight with the American Civil Liberties Union. But, past, but Bill McCartney warned me back in 1990 that I was going into a fight. <laughs> I was going to go into a fight. Keep my peace. I was going into a fight. I had no idea what it was. I still had the book. And so uh, after the whole fight was over and everything, and I'd left teaching and coaching, I was living out on off of Route 40, and Bill McCartney was speaking at a, an event in Columbus, a prayer breakfast in Columbus. And I said, man, I got to get there. So I made every plan in the morning to go be see Bill McCartney. I was going to take my book and show him my book and, and uh, pull out my driveway. And so I pull out my driveway and behind the school bus. You know, school buses are out in the country. They stop every other driveway. And so I'm at the back of the school bus. I'm looking at my watch. I know how long it takes me to Columbus. I, I timed it out perfect. School bus, for four and a half miles, school bus stop. I couldn't pass, couldn't do it. I'm, I'm losing. So I, I turn left, get the traffic light, turn left, jumped on Route 70, fly down Route 70, going faster than I should ought to be going, pulling to get up near Bryce Road in Columbus. And what happens is a traffic jam. And I'm backed up and there's brake lights as far as you can see. And I'm pulling my freaking hair out. I said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm rebuking the devil, all that stuff that we all do. Ah, devil, you let, let go! You know, all that charismatic crap you, you learn. It's not all crap, sorry. So finally, I make it down through town. I get up to the, the Ohio Columbus Ohio Convention Center where Bill McCartney's speaking, and I pull in, and I get in into the parking garage, and the line is so, nothing but taillights. That's all it is. At this time, I'm ready to uh, uh, to give up my faith, to throw a tomato at the Lord for doing that to me. I, I can't even tell you when I've been more angry. Finally, I get in there, park the car. I look down at my watch. Uh, I'm a half hour late from when the bre- breakfast is going to begin. I get out of my car, park my freaking car. I'm so mad. I'm going up the steps. and I'm going up the steps into the banquet room. I have to pee. So uh, I might as well. Heck, I've already missed him. See, I thought I had to get there early and talk to him before he got gone. I knew everybody would talk to him afterwards. Yada, yada. So I go up there and I turn left. There's a bathroom. I go in there and I'm, I go into the women, you know, been in the urinal. I walk in there and I'm in the, I'm, I'm at the urinal. And I don't know if you guys can relate to this. I got my, I'm, I'm doing my thing at the urinal and I'm looking up here and I got my eyes shut and I am so mad that I didn't make it to see Bill McCartney. And I'm just kind of whatever under my breath. And all of a sudden, I just turn and look beside me. And there's Bill McCartney. Peeing right beside me. That's an absolute 100% true story. And then I I said to him, oh, coach, (laughs) boy, do I have a story for you. So I stepped away from the urinal. And he walks back to the back of the room. He's in a hurry to get in there. But he gives me about two more minutes again. I tell him the story I just told you about. Exodus 14, 14, yada, yada, yada. And uh, he, he re-signs my book. And he walks, starting to walk out. And as he walks out the, uh, the door, he turns back to me. He says, hey, coach. He says, I want you to know that had to be the Lord. Because I could not tell you what Exodus 14, 14 says. Is that unbelievable, Fricks? Is that unbelievable? Now, listen, that's not mysterious ways. Those are not mysterious ways. The whole time I'm trying to get there, the Lord's trying to slow me down. He said, wait a minute, slow down. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss this moment in time, right? I believe that the Lord, what we call divine connections, is totally and completely in charge and in control of those. And I want to build your faith. The more you try to make it happen, the less likely it's going to. You just wait. Wait upon the Lord. And he'll make a connection that you'll never be able to connection. And I'm saying that to you, Dr. Paul. The more delays, them, don't get frustrated. Uh -uh. The Lord is doing himself some work. You know what it is? He doesn't have all the pieces in place yet. And he said, you just sit there. You sit behind that bus a while. McCartney was late taking a shower this morning. He isn't going to be on time either. You just sit there and wait, folks. It's, I'm, we never Amen. It. It's not Amen. Real. 
It's real. It's real. Every bit of that story I just told you is real. Teresa, come in. Then Kevin. Then Dr. Paul. Go ahead. Hi. I apologize if this is how the whole conversation started about Bibles because I missed the first 10 minutes of the show. But um, I went to the Museum of the Bible while I was in Washington, D.C., and they show comparisons of the Bibles. And our Protestant Bible has the least amount of books in it. And I think the Ethiopian Bible had the most. Yes, ma'am. And then it, it was it was interesting to see all the different versions. My daughters were shocked. Of course, yeah. they never listened to me when I tried to tell them, but they saw that and it made a difference to them. <laughs> so again, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm one from the historical benefit of it. The historic, that's, that's what I want. Kevin, come on in. Oh, yeah, two things. First off, I'd call that divine appointment, but what I would say... No, no, listen, listen. The appointment was divine before... That's right. It was divine from 20 years ago, right? Yeah, and and done in such a way to remind you how human you are. You're going to have to meet up at the urinal. That's awesome. Uh, It's kind of like when, if you've ever seen like a gunner shooting at an enemy plane, he has to shoot out ahead of it so that that bullet meets that plane when they get to that right point. It's kind of how that works. So, but listen, I wanted to, I wanted to mention this. Okay. You remember after the Exodus that Pharaoh had all mentions of Moses scrubbed from the walls and the pillars. He, he basically flushed Moses's legacy and memory down the memory hole. Okay? Sort of like they're doing now. You mean sort of like they're doing now with Robert E. Lee and all that stuff? Yes. Huh? Yeah, okay. exactly. So, so suppose for a second that Pharaoh hadn't done that. And those, those writings and hieroglyphs and stuff about Moses were still there. And we, you know, we had seen them and, and translated them, put them in the book. Wouldn't you read it? Wouldn't I sure you read, would. Wouldn't you read that book to, to get added history? A greater on... understanding of the times, right? Yes. A greater understanding of the times. Exactly. Right? exactly. Right. It's, a, it's the same thing, Coach. The Bible's a historical book, but it's not just a historical book, and it doesn't cover all of history. Let's go to Paul and Paul. Paul Goslin, Paul Webb, Reggie, and then Kim. Go. Paul Goslin, your hand was up, bud. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure which Paul. Um, anyway, you might want to call me Gabriel. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, so I wasn't upset about the postponement. Um, and this whole concept of mysterious ways, it's just, it's like you say, it's like a concert that's going on. I've been in this misery for the past, say, 30 years. I didn't understand why God was sending down this trek of, I describe as hell. <laughs> and and uh, I was coming up to a deadline recently, which isn't like 10 days when I was supposed to have the, the board hearing. And I didn't want to do what my lawyers were telling me because I wanted to go a different route. And as things just unfolded in front of me, people started sending me information that I needed to know mm. to take these evil people down. And the people in the inside of the board are sending me information. They want to change the system. <laughs> wow. So you should understand. I, I'm not sure. It, it's mysterious to me because I, I didn't it ain't a mystery. That's right. Mysterious to you. Hell. And, you know, Christian condemnation or persecution of Christians. Hey, listen, I'm a proud persecuted Christian. I love it. Me too, and, uh, brother. Yeah. We're <laughs> on the front you. lines. That's what's going to happen. You're going you're to catch all the flack. Amen, brother. You're not alone. Paul Webb, then Reggie, then Kimberly. Yeah, you know, sharing that story about Coach McCartney, you know, it just brings the scripture, all things work together, you know. <laughs> yep, they did for good. All those good. Those work together for everybody. But, for uh, I mean, the good and the bad with that situation, you know, yep, just yep, yep. kind of what I would want to share, but. Great job. How about that? The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. He wrote it in my Bible and didn't even know what it said. <laughs> that, that blew me away. Reggie and Kimberly. So going back to the Ethiopian Bible coach, it's um, written in Gies. It's a dead language of the Ethiopians. It's um, That language is over 800 years old. It came before the King James Version. So there's 88 books in that Bible. There's Enoch, Esdras, Jasher, Maccabe- the three Maccabees, um, and they were all excommunicated from the King James Version. So whoever's parroting, don't read it. 
they're suffering from lack of knowledge because they are, they are, they're the oldest manuscripts. These people, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church prides themselves that they have this book because it's been untouched. You can't hardly get one, folks. You can't hardly get one. And I got one coming. So um, I, listen, let's let's have grace here. People are concerned about me. They, they don't, they're not calling to chastise me. They're not emailing me to chat. They're concerned about me. Be careful about this. Be careful. And I receive it as, as such. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not all of a sudden going to be turning Mormon on you. Don't worry. Kimberly, come on in. Praise God. I haven't read the Ethiopian Bible, but um, we need all of these things. And, and we, you know, Christians think nothing about reading Josephus and history. Um, and I pray best life now. Pastor. Best life now. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm a pastor who, uh, Encourages us with the book of Enoch. We've studied it. And then we've also studied about the Jewish rabbis just because it gives us insight. And we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us discernment. So he's going to show us what's real, what we can believe. That's right. He's going to guide us into all truth. I say, oh, I understand this. I get it now. Oh, now this makes, I think it fills in, I think it fills in the blanks. Paul Webb, come on in. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, the fact of the matter is people that say that a lot of times they're, they don't believe it themselves. So they tell you, don't read that because you might get, you know. That's true. And, and, that's, and, and that's what the, because the Ethiopian Bible, who, who created our Bible? How was mm-hmm. it created? How were the books taken out, certain books taken out that were in there before? You know. Well, from, what I, from what I understand, Paul, the Catholic Church, I'm, I'm, you know, it is what it is. The Catholic Church is the one who, uh, who put together the, as, as we know the Bible now, I, I think it's a Catholic Church. I could be wrong. But but King James, King King James, he had some purpose in what he was doing as well, right? And if we, if we don't understand who King James was and what his agenda was, what if we understood King James's agenda and his influence over the Bible without taking into consideration the fact that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth? But there was some reason why at least fifteen of those books weren't included in it. Why weren't they included? I don't know. I'm not afraid to ask that question, nor afraid to read what somebody tells me I shouldn't read. I'm, I'm, I'm a big boy. Luann and Craig and Clay. Oh, I can't. never dreamed we'd be going like this. Go ahead. Yeah, I had, I had many of these same questions, too. Like, um, for instance, uh, not, we can't get all of God's word. We can't share it with all the world if we don't know all the Bible. Correct? Right. Okay, so these things are being revealed to us for a reason. So once everybody has the word, these things will come to pass, correct? They will. So again, it comes back to the whole idea of me, with me, even the different translations, all the different. Hey, hey Spencer, show uh, right here where you are, brother. Show on this, uh, this app that we have up on the screen. How many different versions are there, Spencer? If I didn't want to find this in the King James, how many are there? Folks, did you know this? Look at all the different translations. But you can, when you go to Bible Gateway, these are all the different versions you can look up in. Do you you realize that? Do you know there's that many different translations? And I know what you think. There's an old saying, a lot gets lost in the translation. (laughs) Doesn't it? Did you ever play telephone? Yes, Did you ever play telephone around? Yeah, a lot gets lost in translations. I'm a King James guy. Why am I a King James guy? Just because I guess it was the the original one, the closest to the original one. That's why I feel good there. And I think probably the Ethiopian Bible maybe is the, oh, well, I just get myself in trouble. Craig, Mr. Zero, and Clay. Or was it Clay first? Did Craig just sneak in? Clay's been in there a while. Go, Clay. Coach, there's a uh, television series. I say television series. It's a series called The Chosen about yeah. the disciples. Right. And it's extremely popular. But it's not word for word truth of the Bible. So I'm wondering how many people out there that are Christians that are warning people not to look at anything else or read anything else except for the 66 books of the King James Bible while they watch The Chosen. Because, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. We're not consistent, and we are. Can I, can I, look, me. That's, 
I watched the movie Jesus of Nazareth. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It was a, it was a miniseries. I don't know how biblical that, that was. A Thirty years ago, before I was saved, before I saved, before I was saved, I watched Jesus of Nazareth. And you know that, whether it was true or not, that documentary, that whatever, really, really impacted me. Really impacted me. Still today, when I'm reading certain scriptures, I think of. I see in my mind a scene in Jesus of Nazareth. In fact, if you watch the show a lot, you'll see me go to Jesus of Nazareth to show you some of these scenes. Was it was it by the book? By was it exactly scriptural? I don't know, but I can tell you this: a powerful seed was planted in my life as a result of that. And I think the same thing's true of the chosen, in that it humanizes Jesus. That's what I hear a lot of people say. It makes him more human. That's- and, and all I'm saying is, you know, if you can't discern that that the scripts written for the chosen are not the Bible, if you can't discern that, then you don't need to watch that show, you know. <laughs> Good point. Craig, come on in. Man, you guys are after today. Go. If you don't look for God in your life, you won't find him. If you're indifferent to God, he'll be indifferent to you. If you're ambivalent to God, he'll be ambivalent to you. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. If you don't look up in your life and look at the stars on a starry night and contemplate God, then that's on you. And if you truly seek God, okay, with an open heart, it's his nature to reveal himself to you. So when you start looking for God in the little things, like your urinal, <laughs> Coach, when, uh, when I dropped Myra off and Rusty, I parked right on this main road down in D.C., right? And they got out my Tahoe, they got their stuff out, I shut the door, I went to mine, it was locked. Somehow my automatic locks got done. But for some reason, Myra put a window down about three inches where I could put my arm down and open up and get in the back door and get into my car. Thank God for Myra. <laughs> but that's when you look for God and things like that, unexplainable because it was cold. I don't know why she had her window down. But when you look for God, you'll find him. Amen. <laughs> Good job. Jeff, come on in. Jeff Nairs. Morning, Thank Coach. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say there's 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 uh, I've got two views on it um, as far as reading all these other uh, Bibles and, and different information. One is I was a seeker, so I sought all, all kinds of things. I went I went everywhere you could go until I came to the knowledge of Christ and the Lord. So that was my route. Other people are seeking it, but they don't take that effort. They don't they don't know they're seeking like you've talked about already this morning. So we have to be careful, I think, as to where we lead. There's got to be a, a, a level of responsibility because we're held accountable for how we lead people. So there has to be a level of maturity and a level of understanding uh, when you're speaking to certain people. So in other words, Jeff, where you, don't, they're at. you don't talk the same way to your wife as you do to your five-year-old granddaughter. You don't speak the same way to both of them. Well, that's right. Uh, well, in ways you do, but I'm t- what I'm talking about is when we're talking to other people, your friends yes, or acquaintances or people you meet on the street. You gotta. I was talking there's... about their level of knowledge, right? Their level level of knowledge and understanding. That's right. That's right. So we have to be careful. We have to be able to discern, and the Lord gives us that. So a mature Christian is going to have that discernment. Um, I feel I have that discernment. I, feel I know you have that discernment. But so I got to be careful of where you lead people because people led me to all kinds of crazy stuff. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on that. Oh, yep, geez. yep. That's all. Yep, yep. I'm unlearning a lot of stuff I should never have learned. <laughs> good word, Jeff. Michelle. Right. Hey, good morning, team. Um, yeah, I just, I, I love this conversation. And thanks for bringing in um, the topic of other biblical books because there is some real gems in them. There is also some people who wrote them to be deceived, to deceive people. Mm-hmm. So um, the religious scholars, of the the days of Jesus, they, they really wanted to hide the Messiah because if the son of God was on the scene, they would lose all their power and influence. So many of these religious leaders of the day, they were just usurpers of the pre priesthood. And I think that kind of explains why 
John the Baptist was in the wilderness. Um, mm. he, his, his father, Zechariah, was murdered, and the unrighteous leaders appointed ungodly men to the priesthood. And Jesus says this in Matthew uh, 23, um, it's 31, Matthew 23, 31. He says, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. So, of course, these men want to hide stuff that's in the Bible. So, yes, we should be searching. It's absolutely okay to go outside the Bible. I wonder what it would be like if uh, we read a, a commentary from Caiaphas about Jesus. You suppose Caiaphas's position would have been a little bit different than Jesus's position? So as we as we read these things, we have to understand this. There are two sides to every coin, right? Or not two sides, but two views. There are different views, right? People like this show. They don't like this show. Some who don't like this show, well, they're coming from a perspective. And they're talking to other people. Don't watch that show. All that guy does is yell. And you're not the, don't watch that. And then there are people over here coming from a different perspective. Whether we realize it or not, the Bible in many cases has been taken out of perspective. We're getting one perspective. I believe the Bible. I read the Bible. I can quote the Bible. But sometimes it'd be fun to sit down with some of those guys on the other side and ask, why did you guys hate Jesus so much? What the heck was that all about? And then to hear the guard, uh, the prison guard said, well, let me tell you why. Let me tell you something I saw one of his followers did. And they were out there doing this and they were acting like they were followers and they're just chasing women. See, there's two sides to every story, right? Well, we can't be afraid to understand where the source is coming from. That, that's all I would say. I don't even know. As Chad would say, does that make sense? Does that make sense? Larry, come on in. Yeah, I just want to say, hey, there, 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 there's light at the end of the tunnel. There, there's, there, there's brightness in the forest because John seven seventeen tells us if any man, and that I think that would be any of us in this queue, if any man will do his father, the Father's will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So when, when you're yeah. reading something yeah. that. that might be coming from the Holy Spirit, might be the true truth of God and everything like that. If the desire of your life is to do God's will, the Bible that we that we all kind of trust here says that we'll know whether that's from God or not. And if Amen. you start questioning whether something you read is from God or not, I say, and this is what I've trained myself to do, instead of looking and searching into and, and, and trying to figure out exactly what I just read, the first thing I've trained myself to do is to look at my motivation in my life. If my motivation is to do God's will at that moment, if that's where my desire and drive and everything is, then if I didn't get immediate confirmation, whether it was or was not from God with what I just read or heard, then I get my motivation right. And you know what? Every time that happens, I get instant verification of whether what I just read or heard was from God or not. Amen. And the truth of the matter is, If you are looking at the Bible or Christianity, trying to prove it to be false, you're going to find all kinds of evidence. Go for it, dude, (laughs) whatever you want to, because only the Holy Spirit can lead us into all truth. Jeff Nell and Rich. Your your explanation of your frustration with driving to to a breakfast reminded me of uh, when I go into Reno and stuff. I pray ahead and say, Lord, give me some green lights. And I get... (laughs) I, I have to stop for one second, and the light turns green. Go. And I hey, get Jeff, green a lot. Yes, what if I'd have prayed for green lights, and he wanted me to have red lights? <laughs> so I don't pray for green lights. I pray, Lord, your will. <laughs> give, give me there, Lord, whatever you got to do. Rich Wallace, come on in, and Betty. Yeah, Dave, uh, I, I look at these ex- extra books kind of like uh, watching a uh, football game, and they're down at the three-yard line. The ball snapped. What happens? It's a big pileup. And then all of a sudden you see the ref raise his hands up, touchdown, and you're going, there's no way. And what do they do? Instant replay. <laughs> they look at the different angles, uh, camera angles, and then all of a sudden you see it in slow motion and go, I'll be darned. They did make a touchdown. And, and my mind was changed because I had a different perspective. <laughs> I had a little more information. Yep. And, that's how, and that's how I see Enoch and those guys. They're yep. just they're different perspectives looking at the same thing and and it's just added information. Thank you. Amen. 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 Betty. 
Uh, good morning. I just want to say I just love this show. I just learned so much. And Michelle might not like me after this, but the best part of your show it, to me is when you do yell. It does get your attention. So, so here, thanks, Betty. Here's the good thing. Michelle joining us. My wife, Michelle, is going to join us on, on Friday. I've, I've twisted her arm. She's going to be with us here on Friday. And you guys can ask her all those questions, how she can put up with a guy screaming like me. All the, You get a chance to ask her all of those questions. And I've got a knife in my hand beside her. If she says the wrong thing, I can get her in the rib. So it'll all be good. It'll all be good. Bernie. Yeah, thanks, Coach. The, yes. uh, I just wanted to, to bring up uh, maybe the after show be better but um the, the, there's part of it with deciding some books that don't belong in the bible but the other things that all the old apocryphal books they were always translated with the bible you know the old testament the the jews already established their canon but they, are, they had other books that they didn't consider canonical like maccabees and stuff and they all read them because they were important to them as a nation and they're important in books and they were found in the dead sea scrolls they weren't and they were translated with the King James Version. They were always included in the Bible. What we don't get is that that apocrypha wasn't taking up, stopped putting them in the Bible. Kind of in America started printing Bibles because they thought they'd save money by not having, like, all oh, these aren't important. So, so uh, <laughs> then they weren't bound because Luther just put them in a different spot. They were already always translated. The King James translated with them. The, uh, the Geneva Bible had them translated with them. They were just, they were just, um, that was something that, that happened much later, and that um, yeah. they weren't. Well, we we know this word. Words have meaning, folks. I, I can change one word in a sentence, and it'll change the entire sentence. Yeah, yeah, but right. you have to go. Sometimes you know, I tell people when you're reading multiple versions, don't look what, for what's different. Look for what's the same, because they're all the, the task of translating is just not that easy. Trying to render in another language what came from that. That's there's more to it. Yeah. So and, you know, you could go with you know, you could read on and on and on, but but then it'll be too cumbersome to read. So you well, just Bernie, here's, here's, use your use your your take your heart and your mind and try to understand what is God saying, what what is coming through like poetry, sometimes it's not you have to take a work at it to figure it out. So here's here's one of the uh one of the biggest good one, Bernie. I hate text messaging. Does anybody else hate te- I hate text messaging and emailing because sometimes I don't understand the message. Were they mad? In fact, I got one the other day. I still don't know whether the person's mad at me or not mad at me because it was just words. Folks, the Bible is just words without any emotion without any context of the situation in which it was taking place. Do we really know anything about the thief on the cross? Wouldn't it be interesting if we could learn the depth of the thief on the cross? Do we really know anything about Job? I mean, we read we read about the story of Job. Do we really understand the emotions that he was under? Do we really understand whether his wife was bugging him the whole time? How about Lot, Lot's wife? What kind of relationship did Lot and his wife have? Was Lot man in the house or was was Sarah? Was that her name? Lot's wife. Is she, she, was she man in the house? See, the, the inner workings of what creates a story is the story. It's so much deeper than just the words on, on the page. Can you imagine Jesus Christ standing for Pilate, in front of Pilate? What would that have been like? What was Pilate thinking? Was Pilate thinking politically, I got to handle this the right way or I'm not going to get reelected? What was Jesus thinking? So this book is written void of emotion, which is one of the, my, my, my opinion, one of the hindering parts of it. I don't really know the emotion that Isaiah was saying when he wrote that. What did you mean? Ezekiel, when you said in Ezekiel 3, Son of man, I've made you a watchman under the house of Israel. What was, what was his life experience? Was he mad? Was he, was he encouraging the pastors? Son of man, hey, dude, go for it. I made you a watchman. Or was he mad? You dummies, I made you a watchman. Because it makes all of the difference in the scriptures. 
We don't have any of that. We don't have any of it. Because we don't have any of that, well, then we are, we are prisoner, if we're not careful, to the guy who's interpreting the words clearly written on the in the paper. Because he has an opinion of what Jesus was, the emotional aspect of Jesus at that time, or Caiaphas, or Nicodemus. What was Nicodemus? What made Nicodemus show up to Jesus that night? What was going on? Wouldn't you like to have some background on Nicodemus? See, we don't know any of that stuff, do we? We don't. That's why we have to trust the Holy Spirit that he'll guide us into all truth. And see, I think of Jesus as a conquering king, not as a loving savior. He's both. But when I read the Bible, I read a conquering king. We'll see you tomorrow.